Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on a beautiful Rocky Mountain Saturday. I tell you what, you know, there's so much going on outdoors right now. It's a little warmer this weekend. It was cooler yesterday. It's going to be a little warmer than seasonal. It's going to be in the 90s on the front range, I think, today and tomorrow. But then next week, it kind of gets more seasonal temperatures, which are still beautiful and just gorgeous. But the daylight hours are getting shorter, and the nights are getting very cool. So it's affecting our fishing, our hunting, in positive ways mostly. So we're going to talk a lot about that. There's just so much going on. We're going to cover some fishing. We're going to cover waterfall hunting. We're going to cover some dove hunting. We just have a lot to talk about. A couple things before we get into it, though. There is a free fishing clinic in the Loveland area, October 9th, from 10 to 12 for all ages. Gear will be provided. There's going to be stock stock fish in the pond. There's going to be experts there to help teach you about fishing and help you as you go. The information, I just posted a link on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So there's a link there. You can go get all the information. You do have to pre-register, but it's totally free. You don't even need a fishing license. Even if you're an adult, it's for all ages. So check that out at uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, we are going to um, start uh, some more of our giveaways. And the first one is going to be in conjunction with uh, our dog training expert, Ben Garcia. Ben uh, said, let's do a segment where we have the people send in their dog training questions. So I haven't had Karen put this on the the Facebook page yet, but in the next couple days, we'll put up a a post that you can enter, send your dog training questions in, and over the next few weeks after that, Ben will start addressing those. In fact, we'll give a couple weeks for questions to come in. But once we get the questions, we'll go two weeks, well, out of those people that send in questions, Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Longmont has donated an oil change package. It's good for three oil changes, complete service, over two years, at no charge to you. Diesels are excluded. And so if you're in that area, especially where you can get to Longmont, you should stop by and check them out anyway. But you could win service for your car, three free oil changes. We'll get that post for your dog questions up. So start thinking about your dog training questions. Let's go to the phone. And joining us, one of our favorite contributors, he contributes both on the fishing and hunting side, uh, Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. And by the way, you're not eligible for the free oil changes. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> it I knew like you a were. a great prize for a, a good opportunity for people learning more about uh, how to train their dogs, especially for this upcoming hunting season. Oh, it's going to be great. And Ben's been doing such a great job. I know you've listened to him. Very knowledgeable. He's from uh, Hideaway Kennels and Rocky Mountain Roosters and uh, he wanted to get some questions from people out there. I have some questions for you, though. How do you decide everything that's going on? You're an avid hunter. We're getting into fall fishing. Things are taking off. Of course, you're more of a waterfall hunter than others, but you do other things. Um, are you getting ready for waterfall, or are you still on the water, or both? I uh, Kind of both right now. Uh, today, I'm out at Boyd Lake uh, 
helping Centennial Bass Club put some fish structure out on the water. And then um, I later today, I'll probably be going through my duck hunting decoy. So I'm kind of doing even both today, getting ready for uh, improving the fishing for everyone out here and then getting ready for waterfall season, which is right around the corner. All right. Well, let's let's cover a few of these before we even get into some of the fishing bites. Since we're kind of on hunting right now, and folks, we are going to talk fishing with Brad too. Uh, let's talk waterfall season. I think there's a youth season that comes up in just a week or two, and then a week or two after that, we get more some of our regular um, seasons. There's splits, of course, open and shuts, and there's different territories. You have to be careful where you're hunting, but it's right around the corner, isn't it? It is. I mean, our first youth season for the Foothill Mountain Zone comes up, you know, the weekend of September 25th and 26th. So you're talking just just right around the corner here. And then, you know, for everyone in the north to east, it's October 2nd and 3rd. And then our, our regular duck season opens that those following weekends. So it's getting to be that time of year. And I tell you what, the the wind we had on Monday and the cold we're going to have uh, this coming week, you know, the wind pushed some birds in, and I think there's going to be some more birds pushing in with the cold weather they're talking about this coming, you know, Monday and Tuesday. We're going to get down into those low 40s, and that's going to make a few of these birds start to move around. Now, as the birds come in, how long are we still good enough yet? I mean, you're talking these birds are going to move from maybe the mountain areas or are going to move from north, but there's still a lot of resident birds before we get into the migratory birds. Well, those resident birds won't leave Colorado yet. Will they, or will they start to leave? No, uh, the only ones that might be moving is the teal. And a lot of the teal, we are seeing now the migrating birds. Those are our first that migrate through. So you might see a few teal leave. The next bird that usually leaves are going to be the wood ducks. And for me, it's that first snowstorm when the wood ducks kind of bail out. So usually October, so late October. So we've got, so we've got- know, a good month that our resident birds are going to still be around. Now, we've heard some mixed reports from Canada and uh, North Dakota, Minnesota areas about dry and the habitat and maybe not the reproduction we've had in past years. But I think with talking to you over the last few weeks, you kind of feel that if we get the right weather to push those birds down, we should still have pretty good hunting here. Is that right? Yeah, because our local area, we have pretty good water at least in the northeast region. Now, Walden is extremely dry. So people that want to go up to North Park, that area is extremely dry. I recommend if you're going to go hunt it to go up there and scout. Uh, it's the driest I've ever seen it. But out in the northeast along the, the planet, we've had more water than normal. So our resident population is doing good. So that, that first two, three weeks of duck season, I think, is going to be really good for us. And then there's not a lot of water between us and kind of Canada. So when those birds start coming out of Canada, I really think they're going to push down this way. They may get here earlier. And so we may get an extra week or two of those migrating birds that come in early and then stick around until the ponds really start to freeze up. All right. I may talk to you about geese too, but before we get to that, you brought up a point that I wanted to cover with you today and that's scouting. You know, people think of scouting as far as, oh, I should go scout for big game. I should scout my elk. I should even uh, pronghorns out in the prairie. I should do some scouting. Occasionally, I'll hear people say, well, I, I go out into the east and I kind of scout for pheasants a little bit, see what it looks like. 
But I don't hear people talk about scouting for for, for waterfowl as much because I think they think, well, the birds haven't come in or I don't want to spook the resident birds. But with changing conditions, it, you really do need to get out ahead of time, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, with the way our, our falls have been the last few years, you know, the amount of water that we have is different each year. And also, uh, one of the things a lot of people don't think about when they go looking for ponds but is to figure out where in those ponds you actually can set out a decoy spread. You know, maybe it's not too deep for you to get out there. And then where can you conceal yourself? Because where there's a patch of weeds or, or a clump of cattails may, may vary from year to year. And knowing where those spots are so that you can go in there and get the best spot on that pond, you know, in the morning is definitely going to increase your success. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time. It's, it's more just some windshield time, a little bit of legwork driving around to figure out uh, which of these spots has, you know, good water. And then, then where's your best spot to hide yourself? And, um, you know, also do that for the river. You know, the river changes all the time. So if you're out and about this time of year, kind of pay attention to the way the river channel has moved because that will pay, play a factor more in November and December. But you can get that information scouting right now. Well, you know, another thing, scouting, I know you like to bring up the fact that in addition to booking like with a guide like you who has access to places, you lease places, you can get people into places, the state of Colorado has a lot of waterfall opportunities. In fact, we're going to talk to Boyd Lake, where you're at later, about some of theirs, that you can reserve either blinds or areas to hunt. Shouldn't you get out and kind of look at those areas before you get on the reservation system so you know what you're doing? You should, but you need to make sure to read the regulations really close because some of those areas are only open one day a week to go out and look. So make sure to take a look in the waterfowl brochure. In the back of it, it's got all the information about the properties, and it will tell you when you're available. And those reservations open for most of them two weeks before the day you're going to hunt. So if you're thinking about trying to get a reservation for opening day of waterfowl season in the Northeast, um, you're going to need to go out and do some scouting this weekend or this coming week so you can be ready to make those phone calls. And if you're going to do it for any place up in the mountains, you know, that that Monday's coming up, uh, I think it's this Monday, is two weeks out from their duck season opening. So, And one of the best things about those areas is they limit the number of people that go in them. They manage them for quality waterfowl hunting. So you don't have to get there at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know when you have your reservation, you've got your spot for you. And the state is doing the best they can to provide opportunities with not a lot of crowding, and quality opportunities. So if you if you ever, you know, think about going out waterfall hunting, I recommend you're trying to get one of these reservation spots. There's a lot of open areas that are still really good quality, but uh, you'll really enjoy getting out on one of these reservations. It almost feels like you're hunting privately. All right. Now, before we get that, we're not going to spend a lot of time on fishing, but before we get that, I want to stay with waterfall for a minute. A lot of new hunters the last couple of years because of COVID. A lot of people are going back to work. Football's back in full swing. We don't really know, but there should be a lot of uh, at least inexperienced hunters out there. Right now, what should I be doing other than scouting? Should I be practicing calling? Should I be making sure I'm going through my gear? How many decoys do I need? You know, practicing calling is good. If you want to go to a park, 
you know, and, and call the real ducks. That's always a great way to learn. Um, the other thing I would tell you to do is go through your gear bag, your, your shell bag, and make sure you've got everything you need in there from a headlamp to some sort of first aid kit. If you have a dog, make sure you've got an extra leash for them. I always put the waterfall regs in there. But make sure, you know, your gloves and all that, make sure that's prepared. And if you've got some time, go out and practice shooting because that is one of those things that, you know, even if you were shooting really great at the end of last year, if you haven't done it since then, you need to knock that rust off. And, and uh, around a trap or around a sporting place will make your shooting a lot better come that opening day. So those are the things I kind of tell people to do. And decoy numbers, you know, I know people that hunt over six to ten decoys um, and other guys that are going to haul out a, a large quantity. But typically around here, I'd say most people are hunting around two dozen decoys. You, you get If you've got fewer, target a little bit smaller spots. You don't want to go out and hunt a big reservoir with six decoys. But if you find the little flue, you know, right along the river bottom that maybe only... 20, 30 feet wide, six decoys is going to show up really good in there. So if you're limited on decoys, just kind of target where you're going to go hunt, and it will increase your success. All right. We've got a lot more to cover on Waterfall. I'll probably get you back on a couple times in the next couple of weeks just for that. But we got a couple minutes left. Before I let you go, if you were going to head out fishing in the next couple of days, where would you go and what are you seeing? Um, I tell you what. The water temperatures are still hanging around the 70s, so the fall stuff hasn't really kicked in. I think this week's going to change that a bunch. Um, the white bass at Boyd are going really good. Just kind of hang out in the middle. Look for those little bit of boils. The boils aren't real big right now. So anytime you see just a few surfacing, work your way over there, cast a spoon, a little jig, or a blade bait. Keep it up shallow, and you're going to catch some fish. If you want to go a little further north, the spooning bite up at Glendo is doing really well. That's a, that's a fun trip up there. And then, um, you know, I know they're catching smallmouth at Horsetooth, and some people are still catching walleyes out at Sterling. All right, my friend, if people want to book either a hunting or fishing trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? You can find me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303 All right. Thank you so much. And thanks for being out there helping the folks at Boyd. We're actually going to talk to them a little later about that project. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Hi, you're welcome. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson, always a great resource. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to tell you how you could help parks, make parks better, and save them a lot of money and feel like you're really helping the state. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. I was lucky enough to be at their concert on Thursday night. You know, I don't like this band at all, Kyle. Yeah, no, not at all. But, you know, so they did a great job. It was a great performance. Hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the front range, so check them out. Let's go to the phones. And Jeanette Laura from Parks and Wildlife is joining us. She's from the southeast region, and she's a volunteer coordinator. I hope I got your – did I get your title right, Jeanette? You sure did. Thanks for having me, Terry. 
So thanks for coming out. I think this is important. I kind of plugged this um, earlier on the show and the fact that uh, volunteers are such an important part of parks and wildlife. You know, no one, no one goes, <clears throat> oh, boy, I get to buy a parks pass or, oh, boy, I get to buy a fishing license. Well, they should. I hope they do because they get so much enjoyment out of it. But one of the reasons you can, you're able to keep costs down at Parks and Wildlife is through the work of volunteers because you really don't get any money from the general fund. It's almost all user funds and a few grants and excise tax. And so in order to keep everything in good shape and do repairs and keep it clean and work on projects, you volunteers are really important, aren't they? Oh, yes. I mean, as inflation keeps going up, we are continually trying to do more with less. And one of the main ways we can do that is through volunteer assistance. So we have um, close to 5,000 volunteers contributing every year. And that that value that they put into our agency is, is close to $10 million. I mean, it's tremendous. That's That's awesome. What type of projects do volunteers usually get involved in? I mean, um, well, just take us kind of through some of the even basic and even some of the more advanced ones. Absolutely. So we definitely have a range of projects. Um, some of what I'm going to highlight today is kind of open to everyone. The more hands, the better, you know, cleanup projects, habitat improvement, you know, um, recreation improvement. Um, that's some of what we have going on right now. But then some of our deeper projects that are ongoing are wildlife monitoring efforts, you know, whether that's raptor monitors, bluebird monitors that, you know, monitor nest boxes. We do, um, you know, annual counts for some of our, our big game species, um, you know, bighorn sheep, um, then tons of education. I can't, uh, you know, ambassadors, whether it comes to within the schools, you know, out at different festivals and events around, the, you know, your cities, your local communities, um, our education and outreach is, is just huge. <laughs> and, and a lot of people want to get involved in these. A lot of them, like you said, we're going to go through some where there's some need right now that really you can just sign up and help. But a lot of these, you say, require training. Now, does Parks and Wildlife provide that training? Do you look for people with particular backgrounds? Um, you know, we, it's always wonderful when we find that that true gem that has the background. Maybe they're a retiree from, you know, natural resources, whether it's our agency or another. Um, you know, the skill set is tremendous. You know, people who claim to be amateur hobbyists sometimes are our best resources, um, you know, whether it's birding or wildflowers or, you know, geology, um, you know, as they share that love and passion with others, you know, hunting, fishing, um, when we do our, you know, hunter outreach, um, it's skills that anyone can have. um, And and sometimes just what you think is your hobby is something that you can share with others and just have that grow, um, that love of nature and being outdoors and, and how to respect it too. Uh, you know, when we talk about leave no trace principles and recreating responsibly, you know, newcomers to this may not know the best way to, to handle themselves in order to recreate responsibly and have it be sustainable. And so that's all things that our volunteers can share with others. Now, I know in your region right now, you have a lot of projects that just need hands-on like tell us about some what you've got coming up yeah absolutely so over the course of the next six weeks every every weekend we will have a different project around the southeast region that 
anyone can help with. So we have a number of different recreation improvement projects, and those are ranging from Salida way out east of Colorado, out by Lyman area, state wildlife areas. And we'll be building picnic tables, putting in tent pads, you know, putting in fire pits, things like that. And then the two big ones that I want to highlight are two partnership events that we have going on that are for watershed cleanup. Um, so on Sunday the 26th, we will have a Creek Week cleanup, and that is the Fountain Creek Watershed District. And the Fountain Creek Watershed runs all the way from Monument down through Pueblo and then from Woodland Park, you know, east. And this cleanup effort is, over the last seven years, they've cleaned up 108 tons of trash out of the waterways in this area. Um, and so Colorado uh, Parks and Wildlife is pleased to be partnering. We're going to host our, our site along Mark Dabbling to help clean up a stretch of Monument Creek. No, it just sounds like great projects. And, you know, We've had a lot of new people either or a lot of people either return to the outdoors or get into it for the first time because of COVID restrictions were making it difficult to do other things. And it's going to be interesting to see how many of these people stay. But a lot of them aren't used to being in the outdoors or the nuances and the etiquette and, you know, what to do with trash and all those things. And even during normal times, unfortunately, there are people that don't pay enough attention. And I know when I go out, I really want it to look nice for me and anybody I take with me or anybody that goes out. So it's so important. We enjoy the experience so much better. Why don't you tell people if they're interested in any of your next six-week projects or if they're interested in overall volunteer maybe, how do they get a hold of you? How do they? What do they do? Is there a place on the website? Absolutely. So we, we actually just launched a brand-new volunteer website in July. It's called CPW Connect. And so that web address is cpwconnect.state.co.us. And there's a calendar feature. You can find all of these projects and more around the state from the calendar feature. And then if you're looking for more of those long-term ongoing projects that might require that training, and yes, we would provide it, um, those opportunities could be found on the Get Involved link. Um, and so, so, yeah, there's just sign up. We would love to have you um, and and just get more more people because the more hands, there, it's going to be lighter work for sure. <laughs> and I'm sure if you Googled CPW Connect, that site would come up. So, Ab- Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's because people always have trouble in Colorado and state. Uh, but if you just Google it, it comes right up. <laughs> Call us CPW Connect. Jeanette, thank you so much for joining us. Great work, great efforts. It's so much appreciated. Uh, thanks for having me, Terry. Thanks to your you listeners bet. as well. You bet. That's Jeanette Laura from Parks and Wildlife. You know, we want to keep our parks in really good shape. So if you're interested at all, you know, volunteer, try to get out and help. And you know what? It's, it's satisfying to know you're taking care of things, especially if it's places that you visit. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to take you to Boyd Lake where they're doing some projects. We're going to talk a little fishing and a little more waterfall hunting and so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. All these eagles this, this day keep me living that concert, Kyle. Thank you. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear serving the outdoor public in Colorado for 65 years. Let's go to the phones. 
And joining us from Boyd Lake State Park is Lauren Turpin. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. It's a, What a beautiful day we have up here in the Northern Front Range, huh? It is a very nice day at the park. It is. What a great day to be out. And, you know, even though the, the temperatures the next couple of days are going to be a little unseasonably high, they're going to get down into the more seasonal temperatures, which are fantastic next week. But because the days are shorter, it doesn't get to that peak heat very long. And it's so just beautiful being outdoors. And you have a great place that's so accessible right in uh, the Loveland Fort Collins area. Before we even get into it, why don't you just tell people where the park is located? Yeah, so the park is um, located in Loveland. Um, we're about five miles from the interstate. Um, it's right in Loveland, but um, it's a giant lake that people can access and have fun. And you've got trees and camping. Your campgrounds are open year-round, right? We are open year-round for camping. And do you get? Are you pretty busy yet? Has it slowed down, or do you need reservations? You do need reservations um, for the weekends. This is the last weekend that we are booked, um, but people can make reservations at any time online. Uh, during the week, it's breaking up, so you might get a spot, but on the weekends, um, might be a little tough to get a spot, but I think it's opening up. All right. Now, the one question we always get this time of the year with all of our Colorado lakes is, how are your water levels compared to normal, and are your boat ramps open? The boat ramps are open. We're about 75% full, which is normal for this kind of year. Um, so fishing is still great. People are still out water skiing. I saw a whole bunch of boats coming out this morning. Now, are you? I, we're going to talk about some projects coming up that, that you're doing right now. But before we even get to that, are you doing some work on your courtesy docks? Is there some unavailability for a day or two there? Yes. So next week, we're actually installing a new courtesy dock. We are taking out that old dock. Um, so it won't be accessible, the courtesy dock, for boaters, but you still will be able to launch your boat. Um, just might be a little difficult with no courtesy dock there. Okay. Just so people know that. But that's only going to be for a short time, right? Just for a few days. It'll start on the 21st, and then we should be done by the 24th, um, hopefully, fingers crossed. All right. Now, as long as I want to get to the fishing, but before we even get to that, I know you've got a fishing-related project coming up or going on right now. In fact, Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors is out helping on this project, and that's Fish Habitat. Tell us about that. Yeah, I just talked to Brad. He's outside in our parking lot here. Um, we're having a whole bunch of volunteers from the Centennial um, Bass Club and a whole bunch of volunteers that are building fish habitat structures for us. Um, they're building these tree-like structures that we're going to drop into the lake, and hopefully those um, grow some algae on it, grow some vegetation, and the fish like that as their home. So we have a whole bunch of volunteers out here, and they're starting to build those. Well, you know, and they, they improve the fishing in a number of ways. First of all, they give both, both bait fish and game fish hiding and ambush areas, and fish love to relate to objects and edges. So it also positions them and makes helps the anglers find them. So it helps the overall fishery health, and it also helps the anglers locate the fish and learn how to fish them. So it really does, you know, make fishing better. You know, I always joke, um, Lauren, that whenever I have a bad day fishing, I always blame poor management at Parks and Wildlife because it certainly couldn't be my lack of skill. But 
But in all honesty, in all honesty, you know, in all honesty, you guys work really hard because you want people to be successful catching fish. I mean, you really want them to have fun, right? Oh, we do. Yeah, I like seeing, especially the young ones come out. They've never fished before. Um, they're coming out with, you know, their dad, their grandpa, and learning how to fish. And I like seeing that. And when I check fishing licenses. Um, I like to see how they're doing and what they're using so I can pass it on and hopefully people have some better luck and see what they're catching. Now, how is the fishing? Um, I'm hearing that the white bass are there's it's not consistent, but they're starting to turn on. What else have you heard? Um, I heard a little bit of the, the regular species, the trout. Um, haven't heard too much on walleye, uh, but, you know, they're out there. They're swimming pretty deep. Um but I'll I'll ask all my volunteers today because they're all avid fisher folk. Yep. No, and I, the white bass. By the way, if folks, if you want to go take advantage of this white bass bite, you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We actually did a television show on Boyd during the white bass fishing when they're bub- when they're boiling in the water, and it's one of the most phenomenal fishing experiences you'll ever have. So just go to a Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube and Google. Uh, Boyd Lake, it'll come up, and it's just really enjoyable. You know, another opportunity you have at Boyd that we don't talk much about, and that's waterfall hunting, and that's right around the corner, but you actually have availability right at the park, don't you? We do. A lot of people don't know that we have waterfall hunting available at the park. We have three separate areas that you can, um, you have to make reservations for. It's similar to making um, a camping reservation online or calling the 1-800 number. But you can make a reservation. Um, there's three zones. There's an AM session and a PM session. So there's plenty of opportunity. Um, but there's one in the north part of the park. There's one close to the swim beach right in the middle. And then one on the southern part of the park. And does each area reserve one person or you have multiple? I mean, one group? Is that what it does? Well, pretty much. You can have up to four people in one kind of reservation spot. Um, so you can, you know, bring three of your friends, and they all can be hunting. Um, it's up to four people, and you have that that spot for your reserve time. And so you don't have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to be out there because you know when you get there, your spot is waiting. That's that's that really a nice true. system. And that's coming up pretty quick too, aren't we? Only a couple of weeks away from the youth season. Well, youth season, youth and military are the twenty fifth, so next Saturday. And then the regular season opens October 2nd. Um, and we uh, make sure you check the fishing, or, I'm sorry, the waterfowl, the small game brochure for your area and your location and what you're hunting for. Yeah, because we're talking about Boyd, but there's not only two flyways, but zones within those flyways in Colorado where the dates that you can hunt waterfall change. So be very aware of that. But, you know, Having areas like this, especially we have so many people who are just getting into waterfall hunting, they're they're new to it. Having an area they can reserve that's uh, easy to easy access, but still gets a lot of uh, a lot of activity from the waterfall is just a tremendous opportunity. And not only Boyd, but up and down the state, the Platte River, other lakes, wildlife areas, these are available. So it's just a great great opportunity that you guys provide. And Boyd Lake just has something for everybody, doesn't it? It does. Whether whether you boat or fish or camp or even waterfowl hunt, come on up. Great bike, bike trails, whatever you want. So, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. You're at a great park. I need to spend more time there myself. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Lauren Turpin from Boyd 
Boyd Lake. And those white bass, Brad says they're starting, and uh, I heard a couple other people. Ronnie, I think, who's going to be on with us later talking, a different kind of fishing, said they were starting. Go to my uh, my YouTube channel and check that out, the white bass at Boyd Lake. You, you'll want to go give it a try. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Austin Parr will join us, and we'll talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Before we get to our next guest, I do want to remind you that our dog training expert, Ben Garcia, wants to take questions. So what we're going to do is I'm going to put a post on Facebook, or probably Karen will put a post on Facebook, but I like to take credit for it. Anyway, and... Uh, we're going to spell out exactly what's going on, but the gist of it is over the next couple of weeks, we'll have you send in your dog training uh, questions on that Facebook post. We'll have you comment. And then we're going to choose from everybody that sends a question. I think we'll do some kind of just a random drawing of everybody. And we're going to give away a hundred dollar value, three full service oil changes at Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Longmont. This is worth about a hundred bucks. Um, I get my cars and trucks serviced there all the time. They do a fantastic job and it, this is a true, true value and it's going to give us some programming help. Let's go right to the phones. And speaking of somebody who loves dogs, he loves to fish. He makes a living in the tackle industry and he loves to hunt. Austin Parr, how do you decide what to do this time of the year? Oh, man, it's tough, Terry, especially when some of these bites are firing back up along the front range for our warm water species. And at the same time, we've got uh, all our bird seasons uh, getting going. Yeah, in fact, you're an avid dove hunter, and it's been fantastic. Later on in this conversation, I want to talk to you about that because it's such a great way, especially for new hunters, to get into wing shooting. And there's been a, it's been a great year for doves, and it may be our best wing shooting opportunity in Colorado this year. We're going to talk more about that in the upcoming weeks with the pheasants, but I've been doing some research and, you know, I'll I'll make this comment right away and then we can move on to fishing, but all of the states, South Dakota, North Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado are probably going to be a little better than last year, but all of them are saying we didn't get the rain we needed. The, we don't have quite the quite the habitat yet. We didn't have enough holdover. There's going to be birds, but you're going to have to work for them. So we'll get into that. So getting out shooting some doves before the weather changes might be the answer. But before we get to that, let's talk some fishing. What are you hearing out there? So warm water fishing is really kind of getting back going. So with this last little cold snap here and, and generally cooler nights, I'm starting to see some water temperatures drop. So late day temperatures at Chatfield are just barely touching 70 right now. And obviously that still sounds warm, but it's going in the correct direction. And there's lots of bait fish around, but the fish are biting. Yesterday at Chatfield, we had a, a real mixed bag opportunity, caught a lot of walleyes on blade baits and a few on jigging wraps. But then also there's a lot of panfish that are going out there, too, that we're catching sporadically on those same lures, but also with just kind of a basic bobber-type rig. So there's a lot of fish on the structure, and you'll see it if you're if you're accustomed to viewing your sonar. You can see the difference. There's the, the good, solid, hard marks of the walleye on your down imaging, and then even when you're sitting still, you'll see thinner, wispier lines come through. Uh, it's easier when you're moving, but if you, you'll see those those panfish come through, and, and uh, they've been biting really good on just like a little bit of bait on a bobber or then fishing smaller jigging wraps or little cast masters vertical jigs. 
You know, that's I, I don't want to move on from that yet because one of the things we used to do in Minnesota, the transition between open water and ice fishing was a lot of the panfish would start going to their fall and winter habitat as the water cooled, and they didn't magically move when we were ice fishing, so we caught them in the same areas. But one of the things we would look for was crappies and perch would tend to find a basin area, and the bluegills would maybe be in the basin, but they would kind of try to find some kind of cover or structure to cling to. Is that what you see on the lakes here in Colorado for the panfish? Um, so at Chatfield, at least, there's not very many crappie, but there's a lot of perch and there's a lot of bluegill. And I'm finding the perch and the bluegill and the walleyes kind of all sitting in the same areas. They're up on top of structure right now. Um, at Cherry Creek, the crappies have been more in the edges of the trees, and they've been generally productive. But there's, although there's a lot of bait at Chatfield, there is an extreme amount of bait at Cherry Creek. And I've not been catching as many panfish out there as I have been at Chatfield, although still dealing with a decent walleye bite in the early morning. So what about some of the mountain bites? You know, we've got, even though the nights are getting cool, the the weather during the day, even next week when it's seasonal, is going to be very comfortable. We're going to start, you know, we're not very far away from seeing the lake trout move in at Granby and those things. But what about just the, the trout fishing, both from shore and a boat up in the mountains, and fly fishing? Well, one interesting one that's not necessarily a trout, but Wolford Mountain Reservoir has been doing great for salmon. They've been balling up in a big way. And uh, guys out there vertical jigging for some of those salmon have been having a lot of success with brighter jigging spoons. But then the trout are definitely, at this time of year, is, is time to go right now. So I've been hearing great reports from South Park. Guys are really catching them at Antero right now, both on the fly and uh, conventionally. Not hearing much for spawning runs in South Park yet, but I am hearing that we're starting to see a few fish up above Blue Mesa right now, particularly some of the browns that are starting to come up. So that's certainly something to consider. Uh, we'll have some salmon come up later, but uh, that's going to be, be always, as usual, a very good opportunity right there. And uh, guys are still catching some lake trout, but they're still more in the summertime type areas. They're not quite moving shallow yet with the water temperatures not falling quite as much as we're looking for. You know, you mentioning the the salmon will start moving at Blue Mesa, and I'm going to have to get the guys on from up there that guide up there because they give some great reports. But earlier in the year, they said the salmon really seemed to have rebounded. They're they're very optimistic going into this fall. And I um, did a fly fishing show. It's on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, going after those salmon up in the Three Rivers area there when they move into Blue Mesa. And oh, yeah. that is probably one of the best fly fishing experiences I've ever had. When they're in there, it is almost a do-no-wrong situation at times. And you'll catch browns and rainbows, too. And, I mean, it's just because they follow them up and eat some eggs and stuff, and it's just, just tremendous. What about some of the rivers? Have you heard much about the Platte or the Colorado? So starting to see some betas hatches on the plat. That has been definitely worthwhile uh, in the evenings, particularly for that. As you're up there in the daytime and you're fly fishing, we're talking about kind of the decorative stretch here. But a uh, small micro leech or a micro stone with a trailing betas behind has certainly been effective. Uh, guys on the conventional side of things have been having success up there, too, with small jerk baits and then definitely a, a little jig-type situation, especially lower, like a little twitch-tail minnow has been definitely a, a worthwhile choice. The Colorado, although still low in water, has not been dealing with the temperatures like we were dealing with earlier in the season, so it's a lot easier and safer to be fishing that right now. Uh, definitely some few hatches coming off up there, but this time of year, I really like throwing streamer patterns, particularly sculpin patterns up there. Uh, as you're in that pump house and down stretch, those sculpins sit really close to the bottom and you can drag those streamers down those deeper holes with St. Tips. You can 
a lot of times get some pretty ferocious strikes, particularly on the brown trout as we're moving into the spawn mode. And as we get into that spawn mode, you can fly fish or conventional fish almost like bass fishing by drifting down to Colorado and casting the shoreline and making quick retrieves. And if it's on, it can be just tremendous up there. Uh, tubes it's work amazing. Too. Oh, tubes work. And then in that same general area, the eagle has been doing good. In general, the eagle has less browns than the Colorado does. But those big cut bows and rainbows have been having uh, definitely guys reporting some great success on those. Smaller patterns in general, midges and betas. One guy did uh, do pretty well on some sculptzillas, stripping some streamers as you get down to the lower stretch down below eagle uh, to get that little bit bigger, slower water. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, but I know you're also an avid hunter. Um, and I know you love dove hunting. Uh, usually we get... This has been the warmest September on record so far. Usually we get at least one or two cold nights that start pushing out the resident doves, and we have to wait for waves of migratory doves to come through, and they're very tough to, to time. I understand the resident doves have been phenomenal, and they're still there. Been good. They're still there. Some of the temperatures up north have been starting to get a little bit colder, too. So as you mentioned, we may see some influx of some birds coming in as well. And uh, there's really not, although we're still seeing a little bit of colder temperatures coming up on, especially this next Tuesday, I still don't think it's going to be cold enough to really end that season much. Uh, so I think that there's still some good opportunities to go there and maybe even have some opportunities to do a little bit of mixed species hunting with some ducks. We'll see how the, uh, the temperatures continue into that first part of October. But certainly a, a good opportunity. And as you mentioned with those pheasants, uh, even though we've got a little bit more water this year, there's still emergency hang and grazing that's pretty much across the entire core of pheasant range. So there's going to be a lot of areas that are going to be cut like we've seen in the last couple of years. So it might not be as good to take advantage of this dove uh, hunting while we have the opportunity. And, you know, folks, if you're looking for places to hunt, farmers are pretty willing to let you dove hunt, but there is walk-in access for doves, too, if you check with Parks and Wildlife. Do you hunt private or public land for doves? A lot of times I get along the river for the doves. That certainly is good. And then as you start getting some of these cooler nights, you might start thinking about the southeast Colorado area where you're going to have those birds migrate down a bit, but then get into some warmer conditions. Hey, before we go, somebody just hit the text line. Have you heard any reports um, on Trinidad Reservoir? I have not specifically heard any reports on Trinidad. They experienced some amazing flood stage conditions this year, so I imagine the bait fish population is very strong down there, and I would be doing the same jigging wrap and blade bait technique off of some of those deeper water drop-offs, just like we're doing at Chatfield and Cherry Creek. And I haven't heard any firsthand reports, but I'll try to get some maybe within the next week. But uh, Trinidad is a great lake. Not only do you have walleye, sawgai, but you have a, both large and smallmouth bass, a great panfish population. I've actually done some television shows down there in past years, and I, would think, I wouldn't hesitate to go down to Trinidad and try. We had them on earlier in the year, and the water was low earlier, and, but they had great fishing. So I wouldn't hesitate to go down to Trinidad and give it a try. I think it's a tremendous fishery, and it's so far from the metro area that it doesn't get the pressure of some of the others. Real quick, if people want more information from you or they want to book a trip with you, how do they find you, Austin? I'm at Discount Fishing Taco. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. Thank you for the information. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Tony. All right. Austin Parr, a great resource. Speaking of great resources, the folks from Tightline Outdoors are going to join us in the next segment. We're going to talk tactics on how to go after these walleyes. You know, you heard Austin say conditions are changing. Well, this can be some of the best time of the year to get not only numbers but big fish. We'll cover that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> 